Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Father Daniele, and I'm joined by Josh Sullivan. Hello. Welcome, Josh. Thank you. And Matt Van Milligan. Hi. Hi. Um, also, this past week, we celebrated a big day for Josh. Hey, hey. yeah. <laughs> old. <laughs> yeah. We won't tell your age. No, that's okay. But uh, I'm old. Yeah, you've had three decades now. Yeah, only three. <laughs> only three decades. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We'll go with that. At least three, let's say. At least three. <laughs> okay, so get this. So uh, we had this really beautiful um, occasion where we baptized a number of young people in one day mm-hmm. uh, in our parish. Very beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was a very beautiful day. And like this 17 or something. Yeah, yeah 17 yeah, young that's, people that's in amazing. one morning. It was very beautiful. And it, it happened because, you know, we we're reaching out to families in the Catholic schools who maybe missed their opportunity for baptism. You know, we want to provide the opportunity for baptism. So uh, it was a really beautiful uh, day. However, it got me thinking, and not just this occasion, but every time I baptize people, uh, it got me thinking, you know, the church asks specific things to parents and godparents yeah. on the day of the baptism. And I know, like, in the ritual book, maybe I sh- I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say this on our <laughs> podcast, but, you know, the text of the priest is there. Mm-hmm. You know, p- uh, parents, uh, in, in requesting baptism for your child, you are undertaking the responsibility of making sure your child uh, grows up in the Catholic faith, uh, learns to love God's commandments, all that stuff. I kind of go off script, you know? Like, I kind of go off script there, and I say... This includes, you know, uh, providing a good example for your children in faith, which means bringing them to Sunday Mass, which is our obligation as Catholics, which means creating a culture of faith in your in your own family, being part of the Christian community, and celebrating faith at home your, yourself, like leading by example. Those are yeah. things I add. Yeah. And then I say to the parents, do you clearly understand the responsibility you're undertaking from this day forward? Mm-hmm. And not once in hundreds of people I've baptized has anyone ever said no. Everyone says yes, or I do, or yeah. we we know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. People <laughs> say thumb, just a thumbs up. I don't know. And then godparents, I give a really hard time to. Yeah, you know, godparents. The parents have just promised in front of the Lord, in front of me, the church's minister, uh, that they are going to raise their child in the Catholic faith. Now. Your responsibility, it's not just like a cute invitation to be godparents, to be friends. Like you are now taking spiritual, Mm -hmm. taking the spiritual care of this young person for the rest of their life. You have that responsibility. That's a big responsibility. Yeah. And people just like think, you know, they give a card and a gift and then they They, think that's it. They think it's an an honor role. The parents are just honoring them with this specific task of like, oh, we really like you. You're the godparent now. Right. Yeah. And and like you see that with parents who choose godparents that aren't even Christian. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and then we have to be like, well, they can't. Yeah, they have to. So then they have to have that awkward conversation say you can't or they just say, well, we don't want... We don't want to come to your church to be baptized. It's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Anyways, that's not the point I'm making. Uh, godparents, so it's like, they just promise, but now that you have spiritual care over this child, you are also promising here in yeah. front of the mm-hmm. church and in front of me, the church's ministry, in front of your family and friends, that from this day forward, you are going to make sure that this child is raised in the Catholic faith. Yeah. And if the parents are failing in their obligation, which they just promised to, yeah. you have to step in. And I know sometimes it's awkward. 
but that's what you're agreeing yeah. to. And then I say, do you both clearly understand what you're undertaking from this day forward, like the responsibility you're undertaking from this day forward? And they always say yes, with conviction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I believe them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and which leads me, to, which leads me to think here. These promises that we make yeah. in front of the church, because oftentimes, you know, you, you see parents bring children for baptism, then you never see them again. Mm-hmm. You see godparents stand in the place they say yes, then they don't see them again. They don't, they don't do anything to encourage their godchild to, to. So what does it even mean to make a promise in front of the church anymore? Like, is it, yeah. is it such, is it just such a low priority in people's lives that we just, you know, at one time, I don't know when we were younger. Yeah. Like to give your word about yeah. something meant something. Yeah. You know, my parents, they would say, like, do you mean that? Yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure you yeah. mean that? Or people used to say, I give you my word. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Does that even mean anything anymore? Yeah. I, I don't think that's kind of romanticizing the past or like, you know, that, that you know, you have this older idea of a promise that, you know, your word is your bond. Like, don't say it if you don't mean it. Um, Let your that, yes be yes and your no be no. That's yeah, right from very the scripture. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, so now I think I think we have kind of a um, our understanding of a promise or an understanding of our but like we have a uh, kind of contractual understanding of promises or like yeah. an economic understanding. Well, I'll only do this if you fulfill your end of the thing. That it's not just it's not your honor, it's not your word, it's just an obligation between parties that can be broken at any point. That you know those parties decide that <laughs> they yeah. they no longer want to kind of honor that agreement or that relationship. So I'll I'll do it as a godparent as long as the parents are really doing it and I don't have to do anything, yeah. <laughs> right? Like that that like as long as the parents decide yeah. that that's what they're doing, then I'll I'll do it and I'll support them in it. Meaning I won't say don't do it. Like I, I don't know yeah, really what you're there's no permanence attached. Yeah. That it's just like I'll do this as long as I'm into it. Or mm-hmm. yeah. And I, feel, I feel like we have that a lot with different different areas of the church too. Because you have you have not only just at baptism do you stand at the front and say I do. Um you have these promises. You have that at confirmation. Mm-hmm. You say that and we try to really rub that in uh, like really <laughs> rub it into the kids uh, like really get it into their heads for confirmation. Just understanding exactly what they're saying and what the kind of promises they're making and at that time and we also instruct their parents the same kind of thing for confirmation um but you also have it at marriage mm-hmm. um and i think that's that's right matt i think like you have i think we've stepped away from at one time a lot of our our promises a lot of our vows at the front uh, used to be um we've got away from we were they're more contractual now instead of covenant mm-hmm. at one time they were covenant where we were making them a lifelong commitment a life like when when i said i do to my wife when i made the vows to my wife those are lifelong commitments mm-hmm. and there's like there's no breaking those you know what i mean and that's and that was the way that i made those commitments um, but now people enter into a marriage with a prenup already in place. So that's a con that, that's not a yeah. covenant. That's not a covenant that can never be broken. That's, that's a contract. And if we do break it up, this is how we're going to break it up, right? With a prenup. Yeah. Um, and so you're breaking away from the covenantal bond or the covenantal commitment and making it more contractual. And I, I feel like that's the part of the reason is because we're more selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, I would say that, like, right? yeah, yeah, and just you, you could say even kind of the cultural movement towards this radical individualism that it's like I'm accountable, you know, not to another person, like I'm primarily accountable to myself, and um, 
we did an episode, this is years ago now, um, about, you know, marriage and, um, yeah. and <laughs> I characterized, um, you know, the, the contemporary view of marriage as a convenient social arrangement that ceases to be an arrangement at that point, which it ceases to be convenient. Um, <laughs> that is, it, it's just like you have two individuals who are really excited about a wedding, but then, you know, realize they actually have to have a marriage on the other end of that wedding. Right. Um, yeah. and it's just like you have, um, and, and kind of the beauty of, um, of a, a covenantal or sacramental marriage is that you have, you know, two individuals enter into a sacrament which unites two individuals that, you know, makes them, you know, something where the, the whole is greater than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's not it, like I no longer belong to myself. You know, I am accountable to my wife in a, you know, profound way. Um, that again, I think, I think has been kind of lost with this contractual idea of marriage and, yeah. Um, not, not, not being like permanently accountable to that, that promise or that vow. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned confirmation as well. Like there's other sacraments. So we have the baptism, we have confirmation, we have matrimony, there's holy orders. There's promises Mm -hmm. involved in in, in holy orders. But I remember in confirmation class, you know, Josh is involved in teaching (laughs) confirmation, but there's always that story, you know, where we, where we send kids home with this newfound knowledge about the Eucharist, yeah, you know, yeah. there was that story where yeah. the kid went home and said, <laughs> "Kid yes. went home." Well, the kid went home. The kid wasn't even home. He was leaving the church, and I was standing there saying oh. goodbye to everybody. Yeah. And the parent and and the kid was like, "Oh, did you know that?" You know, he's explaining the Eucharist something. Eucharist is really is, is really there and everything else. And the parent was like, "Oh yeah, we don't believe that," and just kind of like was just a no. You know, and I like I heard that as I was leaving, I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's okay." Yeah. And we just do uh, like a whole session with people getting them excited that Jesus is present in the Eucharist, and then the parent just shuts it down right yeah. there on the way up, and then the kid feels stupid, like, "Oh my, but my parents," you know, because yeah. generally you look up to your parents, yeah, you know, but my parents don't believe that, so why should I believe it, yeah. right? So, what what happens? What is the consequence when people break mm. the promise? Because you know, in my example, I use about baptism. It's it's pretty clear what yeah. you're getting yourself into, and godparents as well, parents, godparents. Um, what is the consequence for breaking those promises? Yeah, and do are do people a are they aware? B do they care? I think I th- I think that's a good question. Um, I don't think people are aware. I don't think people understand the seriousness of the covenant that they've made at those times the like the, the the bond that they're entering into the wording the wording of their yes be yes and their no be no and i think that they're not taking it seriously enough um part part of it is the question then becomes there are different levels of promises different levels of um your word, maybe like, like for instance, if I said to a buddy, "Hey, listen, I'll, I'll meet you for coffee at five, <laughs> uh, you know," and then I just don't show up because something came up, that's a little bit different than me standing in front of a church vowing that this, that, or the yeah. other thing. You know, like those are different <laughs> levels of seriousness yeah. to my word. Um, but under full understanding and stating that you are full understanding and that you're going to adhere to this and everything else. I don't understand how people can say yes and then just not follow through. So do they really have an understanding of what's going on? And then what would be the consequence of those? You know, like, so, yeah. so let's look, let's look at something. So for example, we, we have promises in baptism, promises in confirmation, yeah. promises in, in marriage. So we know when, when someone's unfaithful to their promise in marriage, that leads to a whole bunch of problems in that relationship, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So if someone has promised uh, to be faithful, for example, and that doesn't happen, that causes a whole bunch of problems in the relationship, which could lead to a separation, mm-hmm. yeah. right? 
So in the same, you know, use of <laughs> the promise, does it lead to a separation when someone who's promised hmm. spiritual care for their child at baptism, it, it's, does it lead to a certain separation between yourself and God who you've made a promise to? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. So, uh, and, and in terms of consequences, yeah, you can you can almost think about it in terms of like two different types of consequences. So you have like the practical outcome of you know um, uh, people violating the the promises of their marriage and their marriage falling apart. And like, there's tons of statistics and demographics on you know what this does to families, what this does to children, you know what this does when this becomes kind of uh, the majority trend in culture. Like you have, you know, uh, the practical consequences. Um, but also, um, you have kind of the, the spiritual consequences, you have kind of the, the relational consequences that, <clears throat> and a lot of the examples that you gave, um, a lot of those promises come with rights and obligations. So when you kind of, um, you know, forfeit the rights associated with that role, with, with the godparent of being kind of that, that role of influence with being a spouse of having all of the kind of fruits of marriage, um, you also kind of forfeit, um, and any of the rights, any of the, um, when you, you know, when you give up the obligations. So, um, again, so like a, being in a position of spiritual influence or authority, if you undermine that by, you know, telling a kid that you're responsible for that you, you don't actually believe what the church teaches when you, when you've made a solemn promise, a solemn profession, a declaration before, you know, a, a community followed by the creed, followed by a statement of belief, mm -hmm. um, that you believe that you, um, the consequence is, again, at a practical level, you kind of sacrifice your integrity uh, mm -hmm. because you're just, um, your word is worth <laughs> less than it would be if you uh, kind of held it. But um, also, you're, you're making that promise before God. Um, and that's, you know, you may have to atone for that in, in the long term. Yeah, because uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, paragraph 2101, says this, fidelity to promises made to God. So being faithful to those promises made to God is a sign of the respect owed to the divine majesty and a love for a faithful God. So being faithful to our promises to God shows our respect for the Lord. Mm -hmm. So that must mean that not being faithful to our promises it shows a lack of respect, respect for the Lord, maybe a lack of understanding of what we're actually doing. Think about what a priest, a priest makes promises uh, when he receives the sacrament of holy orders. There's a promise to pray the liturgy of the hours. There's a promise to uh, be celibate for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And there's a promise of obedience to the bishop. Those are promises made. Um, what happens when a priest is unfaithful to those promises? I think it depends on the situation. Yeah. If a priest isn't praying their liturgy of the hours, for example, the consequence there, in my opinion, is it's going to be reflected in the type of ministry they're outputting. If they're not faithful to their prayer, yeah, then I think you're going to see the consequence. I of think that it's very prayer. clear sometimes when we have pastors or priests that might not respect that promise, um, because because you can tell it, you can tell it in in every aspect of whether they're following through the through the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. or their their answers and the way that they're pastoring and the way that they're leading. Yeah, um, they're, if they're trying to do it off their own of their own brain, merit, or yeah, their own, yeah, they can get by on some things, but not everything. Like True. the wisdom that's displayed through through that the the gift of holy orders 
I think comes with that promise of the Liturgy of the Hours. And I'm only just starting to understand that from doing the Liturgy of the Hours just in the morning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, and I haven't made a promise to do that. I'm right. just doing it to, to, to understand that. Mm -hmm. But realizing my own internal reflection, but also some of the things I'm dealing with in everyday life, how the Psalms come alive, how those things kind of come alive, um, but taking that time to kind of self-reflect and, and deal with it. Um, so a priest not doing it five times a day, it's, it's evident versus, you know, someone yeah. just, again, it's a job, it becomes a job instead of a vocation. Um, yeah. And that is also going to come with all their, you know, your, in their answers to you, in their, you know, their decision making and all that stuff. They're going to be making, it's going to be evident that they're not making this through the... Um, but I don't think I've heard of a priest being fired per se no yeah. uh, because yeah. of not praying the liturgy of the hours no right? no I, I think it's just because you you can see it in their ministry like you said I exactly think it, it's reflected in their ministry because they're not turning to god whereas maybe the promise to celibacy that's a little, this bit is a little different so yeah. you know there's been there's been cases in the past where uh you know the sexual abuse of minors or something like that like something serious that's criminal mm -hmm. obviously the priest has been relieved of his duties charged criminally maybe spent time in jail whatever it might be there was even cases just now i think not in rome but they're they're dealing with stuff in in other churches um where it wasn't of minors but it was of just infidelity um, and, yeah. and and so then again same kind of thing being relieved of their duty because right. um, maybe the abuse of the sacraments of confession or whatever the case might be right, right. like um and so there are seriousness in and not only um, cases like that, and then we we see sometimes the consequences of of, of priests who uh, don't follow the promise of obedience to the bishop. Mm -hmm. Now, this is you know this is uh, a very serious sort of promise that that priests make. You know, you you promise obedience to um, the bishop and his successors, yeah. right? So I was ordained a, a, a transitional deacon by one bishop. Mm -hmm. uh, by the time. It was time for my priestly ordination. Like a year later, I had another bishop, <laughs> and then you now have in my bishop. priestly ministry, <laughs> I have another bishop. So yeah. you, you know, when you make that promise, you don't know who, who your, your bishops will be, but you make that promise. Yeah. And that's not to say that a priest, you know, you're not just blindly, um, you know, if the <laughs> you're not blindly obeying the bishop in in yeah. matters that aren't uh, <laughs> that that are contrary, let's say, to, to, the, the, to the gospel of the faith. Yeah. But right. there are serious concerns when a bishop, uh, when a when a priest is not obedient to the teachings uh, or the guidance, uh, the directives of mm -hmm. of the bishop, and sometimes you see that in big public cases, right? Uh, whether right, you know, people have <laughs> right or wrong things to say on either side. But you, so you do. My point here, I guess, is that you see consequences when those mm -hmm. promises are broken, yeah. right? That gets me thinking here because there are promises. Mm -hmm. There are, also, there are also vows. So priests make promises at their ordination, right? So do people, when they get married, they make at confirmation, at baptism, they make promises. A vow is what? Like, what would be something a vow? A vow, to me, when I first think of vow, I think of, like, maybe a religious sister or a religious mm -hmm. brother or a par someone who's part of a religious community. They make vows. Mm -hmm. um, they yeah. make vows of sometimes of poverty, mm -hmm. um, chastity, chastity. Yeah. Uh, and obedience maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But so those aren't promises in, those are different. I mean, they're vows, but what is the difference here? What yeah. is the difference between well, the, From the section of the, the catechism that you read, it makes a bit of a distinction between promises and vows. And promises um, in, in, in the catechism usually accompany a sacrament. 
So uh, whether it's holy orders, whether it's matrimony, um, whether it's, it's, it's baptism, confirmation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's the uh, the promises, and you know you promise to fulfill the responsibilities that the sacrament um, um, uh, enables you to do, and you know usually involves the priest or bishop in the case of holy orders conferring a specific sacramental grace um, that that comes with um, you know the 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 privileges and obligations um, of, of that sacrament. Vows, as, as you said, uh, typically uh, accompany um, some induction into a religious order. So you'll hear about, you know, a religious sister um, making her final vows. And this is the this is her final profession um, of, you know, this is a lifelong commitment to um, this this religious uh, way of life. Um, it's also the case for um, you know monks and and Friar, brothers who friars, monks, yeah, yeah who who aren't necessarily um, uh, going to be ordained deacons or priests. They might be, um, but if they're joining a religious order, if they're you know becoming a Dominican, if they're being inducted into that order, they'll make specific vows that you know um, are fitting with the the charisms of that order or you know the specific um, uh, vows of you know, poverty, chastity, depending on. Um, yeah, what that order represents. So when when people say, you know, during a wedding, a bride and groom make the, say their vows yeah. or share their vows, yeah. is this using the right language? Um, I think, well, not not uh, not in the technical terms that the catechism uses, um, but I think um, that the vows themselves um, um, more take the form of of promises, but not you know specific promises because they do accompany a sacrament. Right. Um, but yeah, and, yeah. and like you said, the the Catechism there twenty one oh two says a vow is an act of devotion in which the Christian dedicates himself to God or promises him promises him some good work. And in twenty one oh three, it says the Church recognizes an exemplary value in the vows to practice the evangelical counsels. Of course, mm-hmm. our chastity, poverty. Yeah. And obedience. So, um, so what happens then when someone breaks a vow um, per se? So, like things like marriage, um, when you break your vow of marriage, and and the church calls the marriage, um, let's say they go for an annulment, and it says, you know what, these vows, these promises, um, the the sacrament of marriage never really took place. Well, there's different ways of doing it. Like you, you, you that doesn't happen at baptism. <laughs> it doesn't happen yeah. at confirmation. Those are initiation rites, and you never can get uninitiated from you can't you know can't yeah. be unbaptized or whatever else. And the same with holy orders we talked about before is you be once a priest always a priest, but you can you can be um, taken away from your duties um, yeah. and your um, responsibilities and duties as a priest, but you're never unconsecrated as a priest, unordained as yeah. a priest. But in marriage, we we do say that there's a sense of where you can have an annulment where the marriage didn't really happen, that the people weren't fully forthright or or entering into the marriage with full knowledge of the yeah. situation that they're entering into. Yeah. Well let's be careful with our language because yeah. um like when when a church the church declares an annulment, remember yeah. It's to say that the marriage itself was invalid. Invalid, okay, yeah. Is invalid. It doesn't mean that it never took place or that it was... Okay, uh, but it was an invalid. It, it was, it's just saying that the, for whatever reason, and there are yeah. many, the people weren't in the right place to be able to exchange their consent. Gotcha. That could have been uh, a Catholic who's married outside of the church, yeah. right? Uh, so who needs special permission? That could have been anywhere from uh, maybe it was a, a situation that was forced upon them, so they were doing it with a bit of coercion or yeah. a little bit of yeah. 
uh, they weren't free to do it. It could have been something as silly as someone was drunk when they made their vows, mm-hmm. right? So they weren't free to give their consent. So an annulment member says that the, the marriage was invalid to invalid, begin with not in- and doesn't really uh, say, well, because someone broke their vow, we're going to give you an annulment. Unless we can say that someone from before they made their vow never had the intention of being faithful. Mm-hmm. Let's say someone who got married also had a significant other <laughs> that was or was already spouse, married yeah. or was already married yeah or in another relationship so that's showing that they were not really taking seriously the the promise to be faithful for the rest of their life then we can say well that marriage is invalid gotcha. when it comes to a priest who promises things and like you say um this could be punished he could be punished yeah so let's take the worst example let's take the worst example and that it would be a priest who's been convicted of a crime. Yeah. Okay. So a priest that's been convicted of crime, I know there's outrage all the time from media saying, you know, like say someone, let's say a priest who's abused yeah. uh, minors, and they say, well, he's still a priest. Well, the priesthood is something that um, there's an ontological change yeah. when someone receives the sacrament of holy orders. Just like baptism. Mm-hmm. Baptism mm-hmm. confers an ontological change. Once you're baptized, you can never be unbaptized. That's right. Once you're baptized, you are marked now a Christian. It's like, you know, your soul like, like, is like, yeah. your soul is like branded, like you yeah. brand a cow or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it confers an indelible mark. That's right. It's yeah. an indelible mark. So a, a priest is the same way. There's an indelible mark in the priesthood that can't be taken away. You know, you are a priest forever, like yeah. Melchizedek of old, yeah. right? And uh, so when the when the priest is convicted of a crime, of course he is removed from ministry. From, the, from yeah. ministry. Of course he no longer has the, the appropriate faculties or, or yeah. permissions from the bishop to act in priestly ministry or to confer sacraments or whatever yeah. it might be. But to remove that yeah. mark of priesthood, you can't. You yeah. can't. Um, right? And yeah, f- further than that, they're 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 able to be defrocked, uh, so they're not actually allowed to wear priestly uh, garments publicly because they're yeah. not allowed to be publicly recognized as a priest because then that that can create confusion or scandal as mm-hmm. well. That's yeah. right. Um, so there are there are consequences to breaking the promise, right, you, for a priest. Uh, and and a religious, a religious who also breaks their their vows, uh, maybe w- w- depending on the religious order, yeah. would have their own type of discipline there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there are examples where breaking the promises and vows, uh, are, there are consequences there, mm-hmm. right? So when when w- I want us maybe to think about that a little bit when we make promises in front of the church, yeah. The, there should be the weight of the mm-hmm. seriousness of that, but I, I feel like that's kind of been lost. Been lost. Yeah. yeah, I think I think, and like you said, when we when we look at when we enter into a covenant, like so, for instance, when we look at marriage, there are people that are hurt, that are injured when when um, when two people separate that have been promised in marriage, and a lot of times it's the kids. It doesn't mean that the kids are invalid, <laughs> right? It doesn't. Yes. It doesn't mean that the, the kids are still a divine blessing from God. They are still given as a gift. Um, they're baptized. They're still children of God. 
but people get hurt. It's an ev- evidence that when two people who have made a covenant together separate, that there is hurt, that mm-hmm. there is issues, that there's problems. And like you said, when a priest does the same, you can sometimes see the effects of that. Um, but we don't always see w- the effects w- from a baptismal vow of mm-hmm. a godparent, let's say, or a even a confirmation um, until it's too late. You know what I mean? Until there's, it's 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 almost like you get the blessing, but it's years yeah. of having to not live out your vow, and that's when you see the effects, which is that this child has no idea what their Catholic faith is when they come in. And we see it a lot of times at confirmation, unfortunately. But Yeah, we know. do. And it, you know, like, when you cooperate with, when you cooperate with the Lord, <laughs> you know, you, you see the fruit of that. You see mm-hmm. the fruit of the cooperation with the Lord. So, uh, so someone who's made a promise, like a godparent or a parent, mm-hmm. you see the fruit of, of cooperating or following through with your promise. And sometimes, you know, parents wonder, I, I think, just like you can see in a priest who's not praying, <laughs> yeah. you can see in a parent who's not being a good example of faith, or you can see in the mm. child who's not being raised in the right way. You can see that. You're right that often it's at the it's at, maybe it's too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think maybe people don't realize the grace that comes with being faithful to, to your promise. promise. We could see it. People, people would agree that we could see it in a marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like a spouse who's faithful to their promise. You can see the fruit of that, right? So a, a spouse that's faithful to uh, being faithful, who's faithful to you know the vows in the Catholic Church, uh, they say, I promise to love you and to honor you mm-hmm. all the days of my life. You can see the fruit of marriages where a spouse or both yeah. spouses mm-hmm. do that, that love and honor each other all the days. You can see that. So I, I think you can see the fruit of parents who take that promise very seriously. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see maybe, that. maybe not as obvious, <laughs> you know, because yeah. you would see a husband and wife fight. Yeah. If there's if there's something that's contrary, like if, if there's a spouse that's not being faithful, for example, that leads to fighting. If there's a spouse that's not being charitable, not honoring their spouse, you see, you see the fights happening. So maybe it's not as obvious with a parent or godparent, but I still believe that you can see the difference. Yeah. And that language of faithfulness, of fidelity in marriage, like if extending that to other sacraments or other contexts for promises, like the idea of like being faithful to another, operating with integrity. Um, yes, we've, we've talked a lot, and, and, and a lot of times we think about this in kind of the human dimension that is like, okay, well, these are the, the practical consequences of not operating with integrity. You know, that faithfulness of the promise that we make to the other we're making that promise before God. So and any promise that has that gravity or that weight um, that, you know, I'm not just being faithful to this community. I'm not just being faithful to my wife. And like, if I'm not operating with integrity, if I'm not, you know, if my word isn't uh, my word, you know, I have to answer um, to God for that. Um, that, you know, when we talk about faithfulness, like we actually need to be people of faith. We need to like look at all of these human interactions, these relationships, these covenants in the context that, you know, we're making these before God and that, you know, our faith uh, informs our faithfulness. 
I think it's important too to also understand, like as we're talking about this language of covenant, it's fully giving of oneself with nothing in return, mm. right? It's it's fully so a husband fully yeah. giving himself to his wife, the honor and respect, and not expecting anything in return. Yeah. But the wife giving fully of herself to her husband, not expecting anything else, and that is the mm. so when you do confirmation, when you do um, the sacrament of holy orders or, or or a baptism, it's the it's the covenant that you're entering into of fully giving yourself to raising this child in the faith um it's through sacrifice it's through it's the full of giving get like the fullness of your of giving yourself you will see god because god's a faithful god you are going to see the blessings you are going to see the things but it is it takes your fullness giving yourself completely over without the expectation of anything in return and that's where when we talk about being a godparent that's one of those things a, a parent in general <laughs> yeah. but then a godparent as well is you are taking on a commitment to give fully of yourself to this child to make sure that this is the situation that's raised without expecting anything in return you know i know um, i don't know if i was talking with you guys about it i don't know but uh, when when we talk about a godparent I always think of like, it's probably not the best example, but I always think of like an AA sponsor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because when you have someone's to have been going through, it. through like a, uh, they're trying to quit drinking, they're going through AA program, the sponsor really takes their role seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they're available at 24/7. any time that the person calls with a temptation. They're there for moral support. They attend meetings with them. Like, this is an image of a good sponsor, right? Quick. Like, imagine if godparents took on the same way. Like, mm. we go with our godchildren to church. Yeah. We are there for them at any time. We're in the, in the, in the face of temptation. We're there ready to yeah. help them through. And call us like, in the middle of the night. They, yeah, 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 like, th- yeah. This is what a beautiful thing. But then when you're talking about covenant... Obviously, I'm always thinking about the new covenant, Jesus Christ. You know, when we when we celebrate the Mass, you know, this is the blood of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus shed His blood. Jesus, in the new covenant, has given us His life, like has sacrificed everything. That's the new covenant, and we can't even honor a promise that we make at baptism, yeah. in the same faith where Jesus has given his life for us. Like, we're always looking at the example of what we're doing. And the example is Christ, mm-hmm. right? So I think maybe it, in your marriages, in your priesthood, in your religious life, in your role as godparent or parent, whatever it might be, as a confirmation sponsor, when we say yes in front of the church, we are participating in the new covenant, We are being people who should sacrifice for the other. A spouse sacrifices for the other. A priest sacrifices for the church. A religious sacrifices for the church. Uh, A parent sacrifices for their child. A godparent does the same. Like, just like Jesus did, we, that's how we honor. That's why the church says fidelity to the promises made to God is a sign of respect Mm -hmm. for uh, the, the respect we have for being faithful to God. I don't know. It's not rocket science. No. <laughs> it's not rocket science. It's calling ourselves to action, but also yeah. then calling our... One other thing, just to kind of add in there, was, is to call, as a godparent, is to call your godchildren to the action if they're godparents. 
is now to mm. call them to the action. Okay, you're the godparent. You made this vow. You should be doing this. Or you're a parent now. You baptized your child. You should be doing this. Mm-hmm. So it's not ever too late to be oh, a godparent, no. right? Like you can, yeah. you can hold that accountability. It, it, it's hard if you didn't foster a relationship with that child from the get-go. I mean, right. you know, Uncle Uncle Josh is calling you from in the middle of like haven't talked to him in thirty-five years, and all of a sudden <laughs> I'm gonna call him just like you should start going to church. Be, yeah. Are you going to church? <laughs> yeah, it's it's through sincerity of a relationship. But yeah. so maybe we can reflect on that this week because uh, maybe it's something that we can reflect on. We've all made promises. I think we've all made promises so. in front of the church. And so are we being faithful to those promises? Are, are we being people who are who recognize the weight of those promises? Let our yes be yes, our no be no. Let our yes be yes, and our no. Uh, and, and you know what's funny? When you think of promises or you think of uh, vows in the church, probably the first thing that comes, probably everyone has a story about someone who hasn't, who hasn't honored their promise. <laughs> but why can't we be <laughs> celebrating rather people who have? Mm. Right, so maybe this week all of us together as a podcast family can reflect on: Can we be a little more faithful to our promise and pray for people? Pray for those new parents who have baptized their children. Pray for godparents who are taking on the role. Pray for priests and religious. Pray for married couples. Those uh, couples maybe who are going through a difficult time. Let's let's be faithful to God, and let's be examples of you know the. New covenant, the one that Jesus showed us how to make a promise, how to make a vow, how to make a covenant. That's all the time. So maybe if you want to comment on anything we've said today, you can drop it here on this uh, on these social media platforms that you find our podcast on, or you can send us an email at askus at the Catholic Buzz.com. So for Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milligan, my name is Father Daniele. We'll see you next time on the Catholic Buzz. Thank you.